Hey everybody, Brett here with Indie Comics Dispatch. On this week's episode, we're talking about building a fan base for your indie comic. Joining Tier and I this week is TJ Sterling of Ray Comics and Sebastian Jones of Stranger Comics. Two titans in the field of building large fan bases that really turn out to support their projects. If you like what you hear, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash indiecomicsdispatch and support The Dispatch for as little as $3 a month. Each episode of Broadcast from The Dispatch we record also gets bonus patron-only content recorded. Uh, this week's question that we asked our panelists is what was one concrete action you can take right now to start building your fan base? And they answered it, and it's wonderful, and you can only hear that if you're a patron. As always, broadcast from the Dispatch's first live stream. You can catch us most Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time on the Indie Comics Dispatch Facebook and YouTube channels. But since you're listening to this on podcast, I encourage you to subscribe, like, follow, rate, share, all the things for podcasts because it really does help elevate the Indie Comics Dispatch within the podcast community. Seriously, it really does. But without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch. This is Scorpio Chronicles, your host for Kickstarter Connection. Join me on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the latest and the greatest on indie comics and the creative teams that are behind them. See you on Tuesday. Stay positive. Test negative. Hey, I'm Brett with Indie Comics Dispatch and broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep within the Milky Way galaxy. This is broadcast from the Dispatch. Good evening, oh, no. sir. Good evening. Good evening. So I was just notified by Kickstarter like a few minutes ago that Cypher Team 1 was successfully yes. funded. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And they people came out of the woodwork. Um, at the right end, at I the think, end uh, there. Yeah. I was a little, little birdie by the name of Aaron from Catalyst. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. <laughs> people came out and got it to 2,500 right on the dot. So that means... Folks getting sweet uh, trading cards. That's fantastic. I can't wait so that's to get dope. mine. Um, I yeah. expect it in the mail. Let's see. Amazon will deliver <laughs> next day. So I'll give you till Saturday. Give me till Saturday? Okay. Yeah. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I've, I've already started. Like, I've already started getting the posters. Um, but now, like, the cool part is since we did make it there, like, I, I feel, like, super generous now. Um, mm-hmm. So I did have one idea for the T-shirt. But now, you know, since I was in the military for 13 years, I know how to do military type T-shirts. So I'm like, maybe I should just change up. So you know how to do is. straight green T-shirts is what you're saying. That's well, what well like, um, well, those are easy. Uh, but <laughs> but like the unit tees and stuff like that, whenever uh, we, we have unit T-shirts and stuff like that. Uh, so you have like your unit, your unit patch right here and then whatever your... Uh, unit moniker is on the back and stuff like that. So I'm like, maybe I should do something like that for Cypher Team. Uh, cool. I mean, they they are they are a special forces unit, the anti-terrorism unit. So it'd be dope instead of just having the logo on the shirt be something 
bigger. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. So um, tonight, I hope you're taking good notes. Um, I know I'm going to be taking good notes. Um, oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. tonight we have two two great guests, and we're talking how to build a fan base. And so many, I get this question a lot through direct message, especially on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like how can I grow my fan base? And my biggest advice is always just post consistently and just just talk to your fans. Um, yeah, talk to people. But. <laughs> But this is just a common, really big question out there. And so I'm I'm not a comic creator, but um maybe one day, you never know. Tier keeps telling me and then I need you to will be. be. Um, you will be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna make sure of it. So I'm taking good know, notes tonight. Um what? Was, I had to pull up YouTube so we could talk to the, so we could talk to the fans over there. <laughs> So tonight, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guests, and we'll just dive right in with uh, headlines first to warm everybody up. Um, but yeah. first, let's welcome Sebastian A. Jones. What's the A stand for? Stands for Andrew. Hello. Um, Sebastian Andrew Jones. Thanks for having me. There's another Sebastian Jones out there who's a writer, and I got wow. to like, am I going to be Seth Jones or be really obnoxious and put the middle letter in? Obnoxious it was. <laughs> Don't blame me. Sebastian is the founder and president of Stranger Comics, where their mission statement is to create stories with a philosophy of quality, where both story and art are sacred and authentic representation matters. His most well-known creation is the fantasy world of, is it, you say for me, is it Sunda? Perfect, you got it. Yes. And it's the lead character, Niobe, currently in development at HBO. Congratulations. When collaborating with Amanda Stenberg, the Hate You Give, and Ashley A. Woods from Tomb Raider, Jones Niobe, She Is Life, became the first nationally distributed comic with a black female author, artist, and lead hero in history. You can find more about him and his creations at StrangerComics.com. Welcome, Sebastian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, and apologies um, ahead of time. Yes, uh, we said it backstage. If suddenly I... Um, crash uh, spectrum might be turning up in seconds <laughs> it's that day but yeah thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys no problem no problem and from i think the exact opposite side of the country we have tj sterling hey what's going on guys happy to be here what's going on, what's going on? And, and so so i mean sebastian answered what does the a stand for what, what does tj stand for uh taylor james sterling is my full name mm, i like I it that name yeah absolutely that no one calls me that. Uh, friends and family have called me TJ since I was young. And because all the people who I'm making comics for, I consider friends and family. So that's, you know, where, where people call me that. So Same what you're saying is, do you want me to call you TJ? Tier can call you Taylor James. That is spectrum. <laughs> I'm so sorry. One you're good. You're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can I go backstage for a second? Yeah. Okay. And I'll. I'll TJ is the CEO of Ray Comics, a dynamic indie comic company that focuses on telling powerful stories about unique and diverse characters. He began his career working for the infamous Marvel bullpen as production artist. Uh, Post working at Marvel, uh, TJ would go on to create cover art for Dark Horse, interior art for Aspen Comics, and most recently sequential art for DC Comics Batman Giant issue number five. He's also the writer and illustrator of the ongoing comic book series Okamus, published through Ray Comics. Uh, TJ's work can be found online at Ray, that's R A E, comics.com. Welcome, sir. This is your, um, I think, what, third appearance? Yeah, no, second, yeah, second, second, second. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Because I think the first one wasn't your Kickstarter live. I think. I think it was. was. Paul like, oh, was posters like right in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got those times, books. man, because uh, me and Brett, we had some serious, well, I had some serious connectivity issues the first time we tried to do it, right, Brett? And then yep. after that, we got it right, and it was perfect. So <laughs> the secret is always use my laptop. Never use your phone, ladies and gentlemen, no matter yeah. how close yeah. it to be, just use your laptop. It's better. Exactly. It is. It is exactly. way better. If you're ever invited on the show, you can use your phone. We won't, we won't discriminate, but it's better to, to use your laptop. <laughs> I will send them backstage real quick. Like, you're yeah. going to go buy it. <laughs> so I don't know if everybody caught it, but Sebastian's um, people to work on his internet came right now. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what that means for him in the show tonight. Um, this is live. So we'll find out. Um, yeah. <laughs> you'll know as hopefully, we know hopefully you can get back i mean i, I don't yeah. know who's working on his internet but hopefully you can get back if it was yeah. me he would be back <laughs> <laughs> we should oh, just man. add him back to the stream to hear what he's saying to people right now no, um, like, that doesn't go there now i can only imagine <laughs> i know the questions i get asked at work dealing with computers so i can only imagine are you an <laughs> it man i feel, I feel like yeah. were you talking about being an it yeah, I'm in, I'm in IT. Yeah, so awesome. had to go on, had to go on to work today. <laughs> because quite a few of my buddies who are in the military do IT as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's one of those jobs where um, there's good flexibility in terms of they have to get deployed or leave or come back. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, yep. obviously it's just it's it's good stuff and it's you know lucrative as well. So yeah, cool man. Yeah, it is. It's a uh, like for me. I'm this my this is definitely going to tell my age, but. Uh, this this August, I'll be in IT for 21 years. Oh, okay, nice. Wow. You started when you started. Let's go. Oh yeah, yeah. I started when I was I started when I was 17, like in IT, like I, before that. But I I can I count whenever I was actually getting like a paycheck, you know. Yeah. Uh, so at 17, and then did it in the military too. So. So well, I'm very interested in everybody's LinkedIn profile. Um, let's um <laughs> jump into headlines. My profile wait, sucks now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into headlines while we wait on Sebastian to come back or not. We'll find out. Um, so um, tonight's all articles all deal with fans and maybe fans getting what they want. Maybe fans uh, not so much getting what they want. But the first story okay. up is, um, um, hold on, let me share my screen. No, I think I know what it is. I think I know what it is with that that headline. That, <laughs> and that segue. So first story. You probably guessed it. Uh, Zack yeah. Snyder's Justice League, a victory for fans and comic book lovers. Um, it's yet yes. to be seen, actually, if it's a victory. We'll find out tomorrow, I guess. Um, could be a four-hour <laughs> waste right. of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think, I think think it depends on the person. I know all the ratings and stuff that are, that are coming out. People are, people are uh, saying it redeems him and it redeems mm -hmm. that. I'm so, I'm sorry, folks. I know folks love the, the Justice League. That, come on, uh, I, it redeems that mess that, that yeah, came out in 2017. Um, mess. But I'm looking forward to it personally. Um, I am a fan of Zack Snyder. I've always said, if anything from Sovereign Comics became a movie, I would want him at the helm directing it because, right. you know, I got epic characters and they they need epic scenes, and I think he'll do a great job. At doing it, so I'm looking forward to it. I, I want to mainly because it's it's a redemption for him, um, and then if people follow the story from the original, 
and the things that went on there, the things that a lot of the cast had to deal with, what he had to deal with, with himself, his family, with losing his, uh, his daughter to suicide. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like, you know, it's, it's a redemption story. I think it's, it's what we write about in comics in real life, to be honest with you, you know, so. TJ, I'm what are your thoughts on the Snyder cut? Um, to be perfectly honest, I, I mean, I've loved um, his style of directing since, uh, since Sucker Punch. And I, to me, mm-hmm. like, I always envisioned him as like the ideal director for the, the DC movies. I mean, because to me, his yeah. style doesn't seem like Marvel. There's a little mm-hmm. more brighter, a little more loose, a little more like relaxed, whereas DC's a little darker, you know, a little edgier. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I felt like his style of directing would have been perfect for it. So um, when they tapped him to start doing all these movies, I'm like, OK, this is great he's going to be their guy kind of like we've had, you know, John Favreau with, you know, Marvel mm-hmm. for a long time doing various different yeah. things. Um, and now obviously the Russo brothers are just, that's more, that's that, the group for Marvel that does great movies. Mm-hmm. So I personally think he will do this thing justice. I mean, I think, you know, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> I'm totally intended. <laughs> I'm totally intended. He's going to do the Justice League movie, a lot of justice. And, and, and you're right. It's, it's definitely a redemption story. I think he was going through some weird personal stuff. And, um, you know, it's so weird to hear all of this craziness that Joss Whedon had caused on set. Like, it, yeah. you know, it was even a possibility. But, I mean, who knows? Hollywood is a weird place, man. Like, it's mm-hmm. just so many strange things. And Seb can definitely speak in detail about that what are we talking about here we're talking about the snyder cut and fans getting what they want um and then tj made the segue to um hollywood being trash oh hollywood's great what are you talking about tj (laughs) hollywood has um like gold stars on the ground um (laughs) has fascinating people wandering the streets like uh the walking dead you know um there's um great thai restaurants I think he meant more the industry and versus the actual location. But you you know, you do you. <laughs> I'm gonna go there for the Thai restaurants. Like, why are you in Hollywood for the Thai restaurants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Kodak Theater, man's Chinese. I look like an eight, I look like um, in Ethiopia, man. Oh god, I love Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great little spot, man. Killer. I'm just I'm just looking like I look like flock of seagulls right now, I look crazy. <laughs> But Hollywood, yeah, it's um, it's a, uh, it's a bit of a minefield, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, like any uh, kind of any entertainment industry, where you have the opportunity to uh, control a narrative, or any industry that controls a narrative and people's spirit and the intangible, will often attract the best and the worst. So I've met one wonderful people who have been incredibly supportive, and I've met some. Whatever the opposite thereof is. <laughs> Josh Whedon, I think, is what the opposite I'll is. I'll say it. I'll say it. A- ash- assholes. Assholes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Bottom <laughs> of the barrel. <laughs> Let's stick oh. with DC for a minute here. Um, this mm. next headline comes to us from Screen Rant. Um, and they say, DC is demolishing continuity to give fans exactly what they want. DC demolishing continuity is really nothing new, um, so, but um, they they are definitely saying this shit for years. Excuse me, I got so DC always wins in one way, right? Side separate standalone stories. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. Batman Gotham by Gaslight. You know, Superman Red Sun. Stories yeah. that are outside of the continuity that are 
again, rooted in just various different subcultures and plots and, and things that are indicative of the person that's writing it. And they do so well with that. And they have that same success with their animated features. So why do they not just take that and do it to the movies? Like yeah. do a Batman Gotham by Gaslight or a long Halloween, a section of those different types of movies. And, and, and that will bring the fans from, from that generation and maybe, you know, uh, some of the newer Batman fans as well. Like, I, so I'm, I'm really glad they're, they're finally getting it. Cause so many people have been saying it for years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I thought too. Like, they, like well, even with the, with the Snyderverse and stuff like that, like I know a lot of us wanted that to be the main DCEU. And of course the way I looked at it too, cause I'm like, a lot of people couldn't understand, Oh, but they have the TV. So why isn't that flash in the movie? And I'm like, that's DC. Like, that's <laughs> like in short, that, that's DC. That's how they always work, even in the comics. Like, they are the kings and queens in of, of the multiverse. So I've always looked at it as standalone. So like when they have this new Batman, everybody's like, but how can Ben Affleck be Batman if they have Twilight as Batman? Multiverse. Totally different Twilight Batman than this Batman. Batman. Just right. you, you got you to understand how DC works. Like, it's not the same... Um, how what Marvel is doing that, and I'm so glad that they are grasping that because I think for a bit, and you kind of saw it in what Snyder was doing with his movies because like, he started off strong with Man of Steel, and you saw, okay, this is the route he's going. I mm -hmm. love it. And then the studio was like, We got to catch up. And I'm like, No, please, please, for the love mm -hmm. of everything holy, let Marvel do them and you be that big, epic fight scene, you know, dark DC. Just like I've told people before, like a lot of DC stories, everybody said, Well, their movies seem dark. I'm like, DC Comics is dark. Like, find me a DC comic where everybody's, you know, sitting in the restaurant, you know, joking it up. You you're not going to find that. <laughs> you're not, not going to find that in DC Comics. Like, everything is somebody stuffed in a refrigerator. Somebody, you know, there's in the world <laughs> stuff. Like, and that actually is in a comic. It's yes, a Green, it La Green Lantern comic where Duke, yep. um, Cal Cal Rayner, right. yeah, Superboy killing killing everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, is that's just DC? They their comics are dark. So mm -hmm. to see dark movies, I was like, makes sense, you know, <laughs> you know. But a lot of people couldn't get and get on that. But I, I'm glad they're doing that. I'm glad they're Sebastian, breaking. Sebastian, how do you feel about DC thing. comics? Um, yeah, I think I think when you have an established brand, you know, and your fans expect or into a, a brand that was you know you have a certain expectation like oh these, these are the kind of comics i read so i'm looking forward to the translation into tv and film i think they were i think i think brands though they kind of they ebb and flow depending on who's running a studio and and what their kind of personal agenda is and i think a lot of times as well nostalgia plays a big part in 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 people when they come into different industries you know, I think nostalgia is that dangerous friend, um, and then you kind of insert your own uh, perspective and that what made you tick. And I think um, we see that a lot in uh, whether it's comics or film, TV, and, and so on. And um, the other thing I think is what Celeste Cornish, the Cornishes, those those that couple right there. That that's actually if you recognize that cover. Speaking of DC, that is a green. Uh, Arrow variant homage for one of my comic books. That was when Speedy was getting hooked, and that was Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and that's me in the corner with a muscle. Anyway, 
<laughs> One so, of those guys looks like you in there. <laughs> that was me. That was me. That's that's the that's the that is collectors. The first Sebastian Jones collector cover right there. Man. You can't get it on if we're talking about how to market. You can get it on strangercomics.com. Oh, get the first God. ever Sebastian Jones on a cover. All right. Okay, I'll stop. You never <laughs> unstoppable, ladies and gentlemen. This guy's a marketing guru machine. But, but, I, but I, thanks. But I'll say Celeste is amazing. So the I think the other thing to always factor in is why we always have so many repeats of new introductions to new universes is because of nostalgia. When we always, when we as creators read a story, we go, "Oh snap! That move that that was a formative moment in my life." I've always felt if I could do the origin of Superman. If I could do the this, that, and the other, how would I do it? And I think that's just as a fan, we get multiple perspectives of the same stuff. And then, well, snap, let's create multiverses so we can have this opportunity to have multiple re reintroductions of same characters. And then I think it depends on the creator. Um, and a lot of times I, I, I feel what is dark for one person is not the same for another. And if a filmmaker has a certain kind of vision for their own nostalgia, you know, like a, like for a time, I believe in um, when Wolverine was a hot ticket, um, it was like, oh snap! Now everyone's got to be dark. Everyone's got the same haircut. Everyone's got the you know the the the, the, the there's a sound alike, and I think that trend w will always be the same no matter the medium. Um, and I and I think sometimes when people, filmmakers and, and creators and so on, we fall in love with our vision so much and think, well, snap, if I'm creating a movie, this is going to be the next two to four years of my life away from my family. This is the this is what I'm going to say. And I think that that those kinds of very real world situations come into play. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah. Well, let's dive let's dive right into it um let's dive into um building a fan base um and and how can indie creators build a fan base that sorry that is um interactive and engaging and supportive um when especially when kickstarters come around right so um let's um Let's see. Let's try. We had some people pre preload some questions off of Instagram first. Um, one of the best places to start is probably um, right here. Um, it's a pretty generic question and probably not a good one. Where do I begin? Because I have zero idea and have no idea what I've been doing. And I think a lot of indie creators find themselves right there. So, um, TJ, let's. I keep thought that. It. I thought that was a great that? question. It I is, would just say I thought that was I mean, a great question. You know? Yeah, it's not a bad question. That is a perfect mm -hmm. question, especially to start with. Um, so, TJ, um, you were going first with headlines. Let's keep it going. You first for this question. Um, where where does somebody begin? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I, I mean, at conventions, I've gotten asked that a lot by young younger kids that are creators that obviously see someone that looks like me that's creating, and it's like, oh man, this would be really cool. Did we lose lose Brett? I think so. All right. I guess I can wait to yeah, just keep going. Okay, you got it. So, um, yeah, I would suggest that if anybody who's watching this and ha you know does not have an idea of what they want to do, um, take a moment to think about what inspires you as a person. You know, what I'm saying, are you inspired by sports? 
martial arts, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, uh, wrestling, you know, are you, were you a big WWE fan? I, I mean, did you like Japanese anime? Did you like manga? You know, were you a big Dragon Ball Z fan? Did you like Evangelion? You know, like when you really start thinking about the things that inspire you as a create, as a person, and you do a serious brainstorming session, you write all that stuff down and you can literally kind of see the stuff that you gravitate towards. And I think if you want to create something, you have to create something that you as a person can get behind that you can be inspired by, because that's just going to keep the fire going each and every single day because you're being inspired by the work that you're creating. And I did hear all that, TJ. I'm sorry, uh, I hit okay. a USB cable and knocked some stuff loose. So, but I, I was still here. So, <laughs> cool. Got yeah. too many cables, Britt. <laughs> I know, I do. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, just start with figuring out what drives you, what fires you up, and then really take a moment to um, write all that stuff down. You know, really do some powerful um, introspective thought. Of self to understand what makes you tick and you know we also i think like-minded individuals attract other like-minded individuals um and malachi was good man um so yeah it's a good place to start there for sure makes sense sebastian makes a lot of sense yeah i yeah, definitely i echo uh, tj sentiments is you know my mom always says write what you know you know um or at least infuse the things that that inspire you to um, to want to create, um, because I think what happens is we look at comics with the rose-colored glasses, and we look at our initial ideas with the rose-colored glasses, and we get really fired up, really excited, and we burn all this energy with the excitement of the um, of the initial moment, and it's almost like we're having first dates with our ideas, and then. As we're like, oh, you know, but um, she's she's no, she's kind of this and that. We make excuses, you know, for for these ideas to not continue. Then working on the relationship, and um, you know, and I think I think we also have to understand that an idea needs our time and attention, whatever it whatever it is. It needs to be nurtured. Um, it demands attention. Um, you know, much like a, a family member, because it's um, it's not going to develop. It's not going to grow. It's not going to um, you know take shape and, uh, and blossom and so on. Um, and I, so I think you know a lot of people always ask me the same, similar questions too. And once you kind of get out of the your drive um, of what moves you, you know, then now we're into the day to day craft. We're into the day to day of the machine of if i'm going to take this seriously i'm i'm going to uh, put my hard hat on take my briefcase i'm going to put in the work if i wait for inspiration like i did you know when i was first dating the idea then i'm in trouble um because i might get distracted with what's on the game or you know like w whatever the case may be or another idea comes along oh let me put this one to the side and you know, flirt with this new idea because this is now more in this. This is now makes me more inspired, and so now I'm over here. And before you know it, you've got multiple ideas in lots of places, and you haven't taken the second step or the third step. Um, and so the you know the great creators, Stephen King to Spike Lee to Hemingway, they all say, you know, um, 
you know, the, you know, Octavia Butler, they talk about like the consistency of the work. You've got to work on your craft as if it is, okay, now it's work. Now it is work. So I think, um, you know, if you don't take that time and you don't work when everyone else is asleep or when you come home from work, your job or, you know, school or whatever it is, the idea cannot be nurtured and it cannot flourish. And the, and the last point I say, I'll make before I ramble, is people always ask too, what's the best way to start? The, is it the, the, the character? Is it the world? Is it the group? So if you have the character, it's Legolas. The group is the elves. The world is the Middle Earth. And the answer to all of it is just yes. If you're, if you're inspired by a character or, or a song or an idea or a dream, then you can build around whatever that is. There's never a there's never a oh snap! I thought of I thought of this character. And now I've got to spend the next three years building the world before I start the story. That's that's absurd. Um, you can be a, a world builder and then start populating. Like Tolkien created languages and build races to speak them and then build the world. You know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So for me, I'm I'm always just whatever moves that first needle, then you just build upon it. Well, and that, that was actually one of my questions. I mean, you know this. I sent you the document. But um, do people bite off more than they can chew with trying to immediately dive into universe building? Do people get stuck in that building process? Yeah, I talk about a lot of, like this a lot. Um, uh, taking the time. Uh, first of all, um, shout out. Hey, Moana, um, Uraeus, what's going on? I see uh, Brian Lambert. What's up, man? Um, not looking at the full picture first, looking at the smallest piece of that picture, because really it's a puzzle. Everything that we're doing is a puzzle. We're literally piecing it together to create our ultimate, you know, ideal vision of what we want our movement to be. And it's one piece at a time. So instead of thinking about making a 10 book series or a whole entire universe, you know, think about one character. Um, and then think about, you know, character two, and then like, let's say a group of characters and maybe a backstory and just, go down the rabbit hole one step at a time and, and not rush it. I would say. I, I, I agree. I mean, you know, for me too, when it comes to world building, I think you're, you're going to want to enjoy exploring the world. So if you automatically think I have to have an entire universe built prior to dropping my first story, then you're almost kind of taking the, the fun of the exploration of that said universe, which you should spend the rest of your life exploring through the lens of the characters that you're creating. So once you kind of then come kind of come back to that and you make your characters believable and relatable on a, on a spiritual level, on a soul level, and even on a sur certain surface levels, now, now we're cooking. Now, ooh, I... I I can fuck with this character. I, you know, they're, they're, they're going down these pathways. I want to explore the world through their eyes and how do they view these, these next instances and these next landscapes and these next interactions. And the more you paint those pictures and the more believable your characters are, kind of like when we were in Star Wars, we're like, we're in. We're believing the backdrop because the characters are so uh, relatable, you know, Fathers and sons, um, the, the feeling of discardment, you know, the, the certain aspects that just ground us in like relatable themes to the character allows us to say, 
oh, okay, shit, I was, you know, reading one of Seb's books. I mean, like, it could be in a post-apocalyptic world. It happens to be in a fantasy world. But the heart of the, the, heart of the story, to me, is always what is the most important thing is that it is the, the story so you have a visceral emotional connection and therefore you believe the character and then the world they inhabit so let's talk about the world they inhabit for a minute and and depicting that world um how important is the art that goes along with the story comics is described as sequential art um and so oftentimes the art um, is the first thing that draws somebody into a story um, before they ever read your words on the page as a script writer so um how important is the art can, can you build a fan base with okay art uh oh um <laughs> i think it's a shoot obviously when you're starting any type of creative endeavor, it's really about doing something that makes you feel, you know, excited and turned on and inspired. But then also when you start, just like Seb was saying earlier, when you start getting into professional space, you have to you know, really get serious about making sure that your work can stand against other professional books. Cause you know, just like any other business it's competitive and, you know, people are very, you know, like art sticklers and they, they you know, like, uh, like you have to put your best foot forward. So you have to do anything and everything you can to make sure that each issue continues to get better. Because I mean, I think all of us at some point in time, maybe it was our first issue wasn't as good as we, we wanted it to be, or we thought it could be better. And then like subsequently as more issues come along, it evolves and continues to get better. And I think a lot of times people will invest in what you're doing as long as they see the intention there. They see that, hey, you this guy is going somewhere with his books with his titles i know the stuff that is going to come on next year is going to even be, big, be even better because he's concerned about um wanting to make it amazing not only for his company but for us the fans who are digesting the material so yes i think it's absolutely incredible uh, 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 super important to have great art um but again even if it's not great at first shot as long if you have the intention for it to be great it's going to be there because you've already made that choice yeah i i agree i think the way i kind of see see it is is it is it is the love at first sight opportunity right it's the first thing you're going to experience it's the first like i remember when i first saw this and I think it's incredibly um, pow pow powerful opportunity. I think a lot of times, too, people kind of forget the weight that a cover can have. Um, and with that emotional connection to this, like we talk about what's your favorite cover, what are those types of things, you know, what what's going to impact you story-wise on an emotional level, representation level, all, all these various things come into play. But I also look at, like, the realities of reading the room is the right now of our world right so if you look at basically what's going on with people with this situation it's like you're 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 at a con or you're or you're, you're a computer and you're like oh this farm bill popping up now i gotta check instagram now i'm on clubhouse now i'm on snapchat motherfuckers are so desensitized oh i've just been spoiled because i've watched a multi-billion dollar movie i've seen all the explosions i can handle I've seen, read all the comics I can read. So at that point, what to me, a lot of times, you, you have to kind of honor the art medium and, and, and the craft that there is. Otherwise, um, the kid who's got $4 or $5 to spend on a comic book, 
he is used to, or she is, or they are used to the billion dollar corporations paying for the top level art and doesn't have the, the knowledge and why should they to then say, well, this is an independent comic, so I'll give them a pass. Because at that point as well, I believe it is our duty to, to put our best foot forward, to earn the to earn someone's four dollars. Four dollars is a shitload of money. So I I want to put my best foot forward to give them the best experience they can, just on a honoring that this moment, but and also on a professional level, understand this motherfucker is desensitized because we're in the realities of billion dollar corporations putting out the same price point medium. So if they're, if they're if they're like oh they don't and they might not know why they don't like the art as much it's just like oh this isn't what I am used to quality wise or whatever their perspective of quality may be but there is something's off or something's different or something doesn't fit within their usual I'm going to spend four dollars on this shit and that at a convention you can level the playing field you're like yo come over here blah blah talk 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 and all the rest of it but you know, um, which helped me out a lot because I liked Anatta, but you know, um, when you're looking at comic shops, what's the first thing that's going to grab you? Like we put a lot of thought into, you know, that specific initial interaction and then trying to honor the art. And then it's up to also, you might have the best vision and hope as a writer or a creator in that or a publisher. And then the artist might be like, all right, cool. And then peace out after, like, like I'm fucking done, or, or now I'm over here, or I'm not inspired. And, and some of the opposite, like, oh my God, this is a beautiful opportunity for me to not only further my career, but again, we get so distracted with the shiny objects of Hollywood and the big two and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. You forget that this is an art form. And like you were saying, but like the sequential to me is so important. It's like you're gonna have beautiful pictures like editing, but if they don't flow together, then it's like, mm-hmm. like, oh, you're watching a movie and then, oh, that was a jolt. And you might not know, or you might know, or the sound was really loud with the music out of nowhere. And then, oh, now I have to turn it up because they're talking. Now I have to turn it down because they're, the fucking music's coming on again. And I think, you know, before I go on a crazy tangent, I'll just stop. But yeah, art's important. <laughs> Well, well, to to that point, I mean, Tier knows this, um, you know, that covers are important. He's been redoing his covers um, with some damn good art. And I think they're really attention grabbing and getting that that recognition because the stories inside are amazing. Um, but, uh, Sebastian, when I told my, well, let's flash back probably about a year plus ago, I sent my wife a, the cover of Niobe Shia's Death, the one that's on the trade. And mm. I said, look at this art. Isn't that amazing? He, she was like, yeah. And so tonight, she like, yeah, she's like, mm, it's mediocre. No, she's like, no, that's amazing. Um, tonight, she was like, well, who's on your show tonight? And I was telling her, I was like, I've, I've shown you the cover of this before. He's done Niobe. She's like, that picture you send to me. Mm-hmm. My wife does not like comic books and is not engaged. But she remembered that first impression of that cover. Wow. Um, and so that, that just speaks to it. Um, I think people Curious. miss opportunities to thank you and please tell your wife thank you so much. I think I people miss opportunities to tell stories on the cover because you can have the big splash, right? You can have, I don't know, like um, you can have like, okay, so we've got this cover here of Naomi sitting on a rock and it's very innocent. 
there's a charm to it. There's a wistfulness to it. And you can kind of tell the story. Of it feels coming of age in a moment alone, right? You've got the the new cover we've got here, which is more kind of impactful. And you in a in a D and D kind of way, we drop everything out, and that's just that's just it. We have this cover here, which is one of my faves, mm -hmm. which is you know like this this conflict between the expression in her face that she doesn't want to have to kill, but she's got the sword and the cut, and it's the moving forward. And then our first cover, we rock this where you've got the hero of the swords and the hand of the, the, there we go, the hand of the devil holding him. So you've got the two images in one, like what is going on here? You've got lots of different ways. And I wanted to play on themes of duality of spirit. So Niobe here has got the angel and the demon that is erupting from her, like, oh shit, why? And and things, themes that we can all relate to, you know. Mm -hmm. so I think mm -hmm. that, you know, and then you can play with different things like, Okay, well, that grabs people because it's the Biggie Smalls Baron and we're doing it for yeah. culture. So you've got different ways to kind of draw people in. Each cover's got to, to me, be, you know, a story or a representation of um, the spirit of the movement that you want to you put forward. Um, Tier, do you want to, we're talking about covers for a minute and how they can grab you in. Do you, what kind of reactions have you gotten on your updated covers from, from your fans in particular? They've, they've loved them. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of my covers where I failed, um, which, yes, in, in, in anywhere we do fail. <laughs> so my, my issue ones were, my issue one covers were horrible. Um, just starting out, even though I've read comics my whole life, I didn't under, fully understand the importance of a cover, I guess. Like, I, I had my ideal towards it. Like, I, I was, you know, because the majority of my books are team books. Um, mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, hey, my issue ones, I want the team up there so people will know who to expect in this book. Um, mm -hmm. However, the way they were presented, because we did the same thing with issue three of Yamo Stigmata, and I, I don't know if you have that cover anywhere, Britt. We did the same thing with Yamo Stigmata, where the team's fighting, you know, the protagonists or fighting against the antagonists, or at least I don't, don't want to call my the t main team the protagonists because they kind of walk a gray gray line, but. They're fighting against each other, so it's a team cover, but it makes sense. You know, um, Brett was one of the first ones to tell me, hey, you, you should probably jazz up your covers a little bit because he was like, because I, I I sat on this book and didn't open it because the cover didn't grab me. But when I read mm. it, the story was amazing. And mm. that's when I clicked. I was like, you know, he's right. So after that, I just I, I started with a Yama Stigmata issue two which that cover uh, was recently copied. <laughs> but hey, thank you. Homage. It was a homage. <laughs> yeah, it was a homage, and I appreciate it. So, and, and then from there, it started going up. So I mean, yeah, uh, first impressions are everything. And in, and in the world of art and sequential art, um, your covers are going to get people, people there. Um, doing that with, um, with issue one of Cypher Team with the recent Kickstarter, I think a lot of people who already had the book came back and back the Kickstarter because mm. the cut, the new cover was so dynamic and so different from the original. Um, also, I'm canceling the original cover. So I think a lot of people came because of that too, but the new cover was just so gripping. Not to mention, I did what you were saying. You know, I, I told, I started learning, okay, tell a story with the cover. And that's what I did with all of the 
books after those issue ones. And then whenever I went back and redid the issue one for, for Cypher Team, I was like, I'm going to tell the story. I'm going to have pretty much an event that's happening in the book on the cover. But if the person has never read the book before, right. they're going to look at the cover and say, what's going on? Why is this action? Why, why is this action happening? What is happening in this book to where something like this is going on? You know, why is this girl, why does she have this lightning dragon coming down behind her? What, you know, <laughs> what's going on? And that stuff, it does, it, it grabs people. And, and I'm glad that I've learned that. Um, I'm glad that I've seen it from individuals like you two, um, what you do with Alchemist and what, what you do with Niobe and, and all of your other books, Untamed and everything. I'm, I've paid attention and I've learned from it. Um, and so like, I'm like, okay, got, I got to do something different or else people are just going to look at my books and miss stuff because my covers suck. <laughs> so, well, and um, yeah. Celeste says that she, they started, um, collecting stranger for the art now we are physically incapable of stopping that's what you call a drug right there sebastian yeah yeah um i want to take a mention on that cover as an addict collecting that's funny I want to take a moment to say, hey, if you like what we do here for these panels that we present, we have a Patreon. You can sign up at patreon.com slash dispatch. Search Indie Comics Dispatch on the Patreon app will come up. You can support the dispatch for as little as $3 a month, and it really does help us um, pay the bills, keep things going, and maybe even be able to eventually pay some of our contributor contributing writers. <laughs> uh -huh. They would like that. Um, yes, they would. <laughs> I want to go to Ben real quick on YouTube, a uh, writer, uh, creator of Frontier Forever, if I'm not mistaken. Um, definitely wish I had gotten in the game before COVID so I could have done cons. Do you have any recommendations for someone trying to get off the ground digitally? And he followed it up with, I love what I've written and my amazing art team. My first Kickstarter did really well, but feeling really stuck in terms of finding readers. Mm. Sebastian, let's start with you this time. Damn it. I was just, I like TJ to go so I can start sounding like we put around today. Um, all right. So, um, well, you know, it's interesting because um, we built our company on the backs of conventions. Like we were known as, um, you know, if you ask around, um, we were quite aggressive, right, TJ, at conventions. Um, that most like oh because to me conventions are fun in the sense that it really is i don't have to look i don't have to know how to use Streamyard. it's just my will to sell somebody this book and then have an experience with them and, and a real a real honest one um but to, but since COVID's happened we've had to kind of rethink everything and um if you want to come to a stranger con our first online one Go to the um, Instagram. This is exactly what you need to do. I'm giving you the play-by-play the, the play here. So what we like to do is follow at Stranger Comics on Instagram. Go to the link in our bio and click to the invite to the online convention. So what I just did is what you have to do is literally what I do is do shitloads of um, uh, personal messages. I, I get to know my community on a real one-on-one -on -one basis. And I said, okay, what I'd like to do is take that same approach, that same hand-to-hand -hand kind of approach that I did at conventions and earnestly reach out to people, especially in this time that um, where we, we actually need an opportunity to have community the, as, a, as a pendulum swing 
and then provide the best service I can. It might be giving away a free comic. It might be just saying, hey, I'm doing a live every Thursday on Instagram at 6 p.m. Pacific and at 9 Eastern time, and then come to my lives and then engage with me and I'm gonna give you as much free knowledge as possible, maybe some deals and those types of things. And the opportunity to, because um, I really believe this massively, comics always feel like community. And it's understanding the, the, that the internet is a frightening ocean where you can easily feel like you're getting overwhelmed and drowned in. And someone else has just posted a better shit than you and oh fucking, I'm, I'm now in my own box and oh, now I'm gonna write and then God damn it, now I'm looking at this chick and oh, what am I doing with my life? You know, it's such a rabbit hole of doom. Yeah. But if you if you look at that as well as an as a hard hat and briefcase, I'm only gonna spend X amount of time on social media because otherwise I'm gonna be a, an insane person. Mm -hmm. Um and but within that time it's gonna be constructive. I'm going to represent my IP the best way I can. And I'm going to talk specifically to other like-minded people. They could be comic people, and they can be people that are into the same culture as you that might not even realize they actually might like your shit. So you can reach out to uh, cosplayers, sure. You, you know, it's like creating a Venn diagram for your IP of what flows within your circle. Like to me, um, like I, I have, you know, like another shameless plug we do, uh, D and D get Pathfinder games. So for me, I get to reach out to guys that like to roll, guys and gals and days that like to roll dice. So, it, um, how can you embrace other aspects of culture and people that might not know that they could be uh, engaged by a story that you are telling? So you create your Venn diagram and then you speak and then you interact and then you invite them to get to know you i'm sure that's why clubhouse is blowing up because people have an opportunity to just shoot the shit yeah so it's yeah. just you know if you if you saw at conventions i believe this is the playing field is like in our booth we had the chair which means we had one chair we have big booth and if any of my workers sat down it was like so we could get to engage with someone. As I got older and no one was looking, I'd like squat for like five minutes, eat, eat half banana and I'm back in. But this is the reality is it's the opportunity for you to engage. And if you're not passionate about your shit, if you're, pa the, the benefit too for, um, and, I'll, and I'll shut up in a second, but the benefit I think too for online folks, I, I, I know my strengths and weaknesses. I struggle with turning a computer on. I'm the least tech handyman in the universe, um, but I'm but I'm very confident in chatting in in, in real time. That's a, that's one of my strengths. The the beauty of the internet, which has been tough for me, is it does level the playing field a lot for folks that might not be so gabby and can interact as well and engage as well from the comfort of a keyboard. So you have to put the, you, you look at that, as much as your idea, you do three hours a day and you're creating, you spend X amount of days on talking and engaging. And it, and you cannot have the, right, where I can get away with, I don't know how to hang a painting up. I can, you cannot get away with, oh, yeah, I'm just not good at the social media thing. Yeah. 
Okay. It's a fucking social media world. So yep. engage yep. however you need to rock it. Agreed. That was Malachi, a lot of knowledge. The one I, bringing, I, yeah. I hope y'all. Exactly. I hope y'all had a pen and paper for that. And if not, this yeah. will go. This will be on YouTube later. Yeah, this will or download the podcast. This is a, right? this is a study guide, man. Holy crap. Yep. If you guys choose so to do, you know, I want to just to finish it off, is it was a learning thing for me, to be honest. Right. So I've got a decent following and, you know, not as good as some, better than others. And, you know, but it was a learning curve for me to suddenly say, okay, I've got to now do a weekly live, God help me, a weekly live in my phone. You know, look at this phone this close and then go, how am I going to engage on a weekly live? What am I going to talk about? What can I talk about? Do I sound interesting enough? Yeah, of course I do. Do I sound interesting enough for an hour or two and, in, and, and explain my creation process and how it reflects my spirit with the outside world? And can I talk about relevant themes that engaged me to create this stuff enough? Can I give readers good deals? And I might have started off with about you know 20 on average on an Instagram live and then it got to 25 and 30, 25 and 40 nah, nah, nah. and then you know and now we're we've, we've grown to the point where suddenly after three three months of doing this we do have a this stream yardy thing for the first time ever and I suck at this stuff so Brett I'll be asking questions to do our first ever YouTube live on Saturday as, as a stranger con and I'm like that's how we have an opportunity to engage so if i can do this thing i know i have content other people if you've got an idea and tj you guys are all touching on it earlier i believe this is back to the con opportunity where you have an opportunity i think like kickstarter patreon if i back a kickstarter i'll be straight up i could barely give a fuck about the the, the creation if I like you, I'm going to fuck with you. If I think you're just someone that is really going for it and you're doing your best, bending your best foot forward, I'm going to support. I'm going to. I've said, said it multiple yep. times. People don't back projects, they back people. Yes. Yep. And that is the same now. That we're, that's, that's why I think at cons we did well as well because they mm -hmm. thought, okay, this fucking crazy guy won't leave me alone. And. I, and he's passionate about his shit. Clearly, all right. I'll, all right. What I'm are you talking about, TJ? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with you know, I mean, how can you not be passionate about TJ? Look at him. <laughs> so, so yeah. <laughs> TJ, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, man. Um, shoot. So it's a great question. I, I think that um, we're. It's an interesting space. I mean, obviously, the the landscape has changed dramatically for everything in terms of events. There's there's no big events. There's no concerts. There's no this, no that. And, and some of it is happening, but like socially distanced stuff. Like, so you watch a WWE, you've got these screens in the background, and the fans are yeah. through, you know, their computers and stuff like that. And, and I do wholeheartedly believe events will come back at some point in time, but they're going to be either socially distanced, you'll have to have a mask or a certain vaccination protocol. So all that stuff is going to come back. So I think in the meantime, um, definitely budgeting your time online um, in terms of who you're interacting with, where you're spending your time, understanding the algorithms that each platform has, because 
Facebook's algorithm is a little different than Instagram or TikTok or Twitter. They're all a little different. And the amount of time and effort that you spend putting into those algorithms rewards you in a specific way. It's really kind of the same thing, even with Kickstarter. You know, there's an algorithm to that, you know, breaking that code the first couple of days in order to get that number as high as possible to stay visible X, Y, and Z. Um, in terms of, you know, what you can, besides you can be doing, you know, that the, the logistical part of it, the creation part, I mean, use the time that you have um, to create as much as possible. I mean, I would say, I mean, perfect example, and this is just me because I'm a crazy person. I've written four scripts within the last two months. Usually I do maybe one every three months or so because like I'm doing cons half the year and then drawing a book half the other year. But I'm like in this mode, I have all this time to not be at a con. So I'm going to create as much as I can be an absolute beast to just getting it done, um, collaborating with editors, working with new artists, you know, building a community within the artistic community, people who are creating the work um, as well. So, and that brings me to another point of, there's nothing to me that replicates the organic experience you have with a one-on-one -on -one with connection with somebody at a convention or at an event or a store signing or any type of thing that's a one-on-one. -on -one. I've been doing store signings for years. I've been doing free comic book day events for years. I've been doing cons uh, for as long as I can remember. And that one-on-one -on -one connection really helps you build with a person organically. And you can get to know them. You can become friends with them. I mean, you know, I've gotten invited to weddings. I mean, when I haven't had a hotel to crash at or go, or, or I couldn't find a hotel last minute because they're all booked up in San Diego, a friend swoops in, you know, a fan that has become a friend swoops in says, hey, you know, stay on my couch or, you know, come hang out with me and my kids. Like, that's the type of community. If you really uh, genuinely you know, care about them as a person and, 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 you know, their ideas and, you know, their life, it's going to pay dividends, you know, tenfold down the line and not looking at them as a dollar sign. I think that's the biggest thing too, is putting yourself in a space when you're not thinking about how do I make my table money back or how do I make this, you know, advertising budget back. Stop thinking about how you can make your money back. How can you serve the people who are buying your books and the people who are investing in you? Because just mm -hmm. like, Seb was saying this too, like they're buying us and really what our vision is and what our um, ideas and our, our future is too. But ultimately they're investing and they, you know, see it like we do. When somebody can walk up and say, hey, I see your stuff in an animated form or this, they're seeing the vision without you even having to shove it down their throat. So uh, keeping it organic, you know, uh, you know, not having any expectations is definitely a good thing too. Because I think, you know, you walk in with expectations, you're going to get let down. Uh, and, and you got to have a good time man. try to have a good time online. I know it's tough because I'm not a big online person. I'm a big creation in person type of guy, but I'm slowly doing that where I am strategically, you know, spending X amount of time online during the week to reward the algorithm and, you know, get more fans that way. But also one thing that really worked with this uh, personal direct messages during Kickstarter campaigns or really instead was saying that too, like, getting to know people on that level too. It's a little bit more difficult because sometimes people are like, oh, hey, well, I got to go or I got to work or I'm in the middle of eating. Like you never will know what they're doing. But because if they're at a con, you have them, you have them, their complete undivided attention. But uh, it, it's, it's a, you know, it's a marathon. It never really stops. So it's like, you know, follow, follow up is a big, big thing. Continue to follow up. 
uh, remember folks and, and again, really approach it from a, a, a natural holistic standpoint. And I think you're, whether you're doing stuff online or in person, you're not going to lose it all. Very good. Very good. So Tony Cade, um, owner of, uh, challenges, uh, games and comics indicator, Georgia, great guy. Um, uh, he, he's got a Kickstarter going right now. So I know this question is near and dear to his star, his heart. Uh, sorry, gentlemen, we'll get your faces back in just a moment. Uh, he has, after you launched your kick, <laughs> after you've launched your Kickstarter, how do you protect yourself from going crazy? I feel that if I'm away from the computer, I'm not promoting the campaign, but when I'm at the computer, I must resist constantly checking my pledges. And then I worry about not knowing, uh, not knowing enough in the community to be trying this. So um I, I think i think his question boils down to um how do you trust in your community enough to know that um your fan base enough to know that they're going to support you that's yeah, a great question i mean um i'll just speak from my minimal experience you know because it's a lot you know easier to just be in and out with that one but um i, I mean i lost my mind kind of during kickstarter i mean i, I eat sleeped and breathed campaign life for a good month and it was pretty brutal um, I constantly checking pledges. If someone dropped a pledge, I was in their inbox like, hey, you know, is there anything I can do to keep your business? Is there anything I can do to, you know, bring you back? I'll give you some extra free stuff. Like, how can I? Because, I mean, I do care about them investing. You know, they obviously invested for a reason initially. So why not see it through? It's only a couple more weeks. But um, just understanding, Tony, that this is every single one of us goes through it. I think as time goes on, maybe the um, order in which you are um executing your business plan through kickstarter is a little bit more seamless i'm sure or or maybe not i don't know i mean i feel like you do it enough over and over again uh it does become a little bit more seamless over time and maybe a little less daunting but yeah man you're just just go through it you know it, it'll be okay <laughs> over time get guaranteed sebastian any thoughts yeah i um and i just um, made an extra note tony because i was i'm going to be doing a um I post to you um i'll do it tomorrow and i'll do an update to our backers so you you know you'll get you'll get the stranger comics love um uh, tomorrow friday um and i think i think <clears throat> kickstarter is this unique reality of understanding that it is kind of it feels like a full-time job um and once you kind of have this realization that these next 30 days you are going to be um you know at the mercy of of this moment you you should try and take the the pressure off yourself um and diversify your time with um continuing the marketing and continuing the outreach without keep on hitting the refresh button or, or watching and panic because you know it's what what happens is and i think we're all guilty of this doing kickstarters is when you have extreme highs like or extreme lows it's such an energy dump right so you build and build and build and build the kickstarter drops you're excited you're excited it drops you're waiting you're waiting for pledges to come in you're hyped you're hyped you're hyped and then suddenly you you, you crash and you've got this massive energy depletion and um if you can kind of try and be as level and calm as you, as you possibly can, and while you do that, it's kind of like social media in the sense that how often are you going to keep checking versus how often are you going to keep promoting 
in other ways. So shift, take all of the energy to kind of shift into maintaining the business of Kickstarter as opposed to the panic of the pledges, are they coming in? And if you've got your kind of your, your to-do list of what you want to do with your Kickstarter on a daily basis, and you hit those checkpoints, it's really all you can do. Um, outside of doing daily check-ins, like TJ was saying, saying, okay, where are we at? I'm going to follow up with some key folks. Someone dropped out, I might check them in and say, hey, no problem if you check, you play, blah, blah, blah. Just if you do come back, I have this option too. Um, and you just, you've got to maintain that sense of uh, Zen spirit. And that's why I, I'm always so um, severe with, uh, when I'm teaching Kickstarter is, you have to be completely prepared as much as possible before you launch. Because once you launch, now you're just kind of going through the motions. You've done all your dress rehearsals. You've done weeks of dress rehearsal. And now you're going through the motions of, okay, I'm now going to, I've now got to reach out to these people. And they're going to reach out to these people. Um, now I'm going to do the update. That is the new thing I'm reward I'm dropping, the new add-on I'm dropping, the new this I'm dropping. That should be your kind of your time spent. And then how you can get other guys with big Kickstarter followings to do updates to their followers at key points within your Kickstarter. So hopefully like, oh, here's a here's a moment where that bolsters bolsters you up. So it just really comes down to the best planning. And, and even if you haven't planned the best during the Kickstarter, spend the energy and the focus on maintaining your day-to-day -day business of the Kickstarter, of your promoting and your outreach. If you don't, if you just sucked into checking and checking, it's going to drain you emotionally and health-wise. Um, and, you know, so that's... And st make sure you got enough food in the fridge. You got some smoothies. You got some fruit. You know, <laughs> protein <laughs> bars. Yeah, all that shit. Because it's kind of like you know, back in the days when you're playing a video game and you're playing Bard's Tale, and you're like, "Holy shit, I've been playing this shit for like three days solid, and now I'm waiting for the load screen. I guess I'm gonna have a snack." You know, that's it's a it's a it is that marathon. Absolutely. Very good. Um, Brian uh, Lambert, Wingless Comics, says, I've had multiple lengthy convos with, online with TJ. He always drops these gems. Sebastian is the same, reaches out and keeps contact. That's a great quality for a creator. Thank you, gentlemen, for being that. That's one thing that, you know, as, as we were preparing to have you both on the show, people, multiple people reach out. But they're, they're just really nice guys who love other creators. And I don't know that in the indie comic game, there's anything better to be said about you really than you support other creators. And that's, that's amazing. Um, I want to switch to a question that came in on Instagram. Um, we are over an hour, Mark, or we usually try to keep the show to an hour, but it's a great conversation. We've got a couple more questions I want to get through. So as long as everybody's okay with staying on just a little bit longer, we'll keep going. Um, so Wilson Lee of CNS comics on Instagram asks, <laughs> I don't know if Sebastian really left at that point to be funny or if it was his internet kicking out or what. <laughs> we'll just... <laughs> no, he's like, fuck you, going over an hour, bye. <laughs> that was perfect timing regardless. Um, yeah. TJ, um, yeah. <laughs> was there ever a point, this is Wilson Lee seeing us comics on Instagram, was there ever a point where you wanted to quit? And if so, what made you push through? 
Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm from Michigan and I'm I'm an Eminem fan, so like you know, I always think of like the, the "Lose Yourself" track, and it's like you know you work so hard for something for years and you know you every artist has this like if you're really a truly like a perfectionist um adam hughes who i admire immensely as an artist calls it the vincent van gogh gene like you absolutely despise the work that you're doing to a point of almost detriment like you're almost at this like edge where you're like you know what like i you know I made this stuff and i almost i don't i don't really like it but i know i have to do better so it's like this itch and like i always have to up it the next time I always have to do better next time I have to better have a better offering and it can be very it can drive you to a point of insanity if you allow it so it's kind of like how do you um take a step back and kind of just look at what you have and say you know what I, I've been doing a lot and you know pat yourself on the back for a little bit and then take that and then move on to the next level uh, I and I think we all feel like quitting for sometimes because comics is hard work. Um, anybody who produces a monthly title or a consistent title will tell you it's a, it's a very grueling um, job, whether you're writing, editing. Um, it costs a lot of money to make. Uh, I mean, I was having a conversation with um, another creator about this, that like the saving component is a big deal. I mean, I think for me, because when I first started in the indie space, like Kickstarter wasn't really a big thing at the time. So I was just, basic saving my money, save my money, put a project out, you know, get all the money back from that initial investment through selling the books and then put it back into the business. So there are times like, man, this costs a lot. Like, I don't know if I want to continue mm -hmm. to do it, to do it, you know, because when you think about business, I mean, I think you think about the American structure of business, right? It's like create a concept, an idea, and then outsource it to where it's cheap and inexpensive and then bring it back here and, you know, shoot the price way up. The Apple mentality, it, mm -hmm. many businesses have done this for years. So it's like, how do I keep net operate, like operating income or, or whatever the expenses are to get started that very, very low. And then I can jack up the price later, but comics aren't like that. You know, you can't go to another country and get it super, super cheap. Every once in a while, you can find somebody who's lower. But again, you might also compromise on the quality with a choice like that. Mm -hmm. So I personally feel like don't give up if this is something you really, really love. Um, but also be very realistic with yourself, because I think what I've seen in the comic industry for a long period of time, and this is not me trying to be negative, I'm just trying to be factual, that there are people who look at it as a hobby. If you look at yeah. comics as, as a hobby, you might not necessarily belong in this space because there's a lot of people who do not look at it as a hobby. They look at it as a very, very serious endeavor that they know that, hey, at some point in time that I'm going to be able to feed my family with this money. I'm going to be making lots of money with licensing deals and TV and film and all these different projects. So they, they, they their level of intensity is really that much different than somebody who's just doing it for fun. Now, again, yeah. if you're doing it for fun, great, still do it, but just understand. Yeah, be upfront about it, right? Like, yeah, like this yeah, is fun for me. This is a hobby. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Tier, what about you, man? Ever point you wanted to quit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. Like, I think we all have gotten there. Um, I've gotten there a couple of times. Um, honestly, I think the last time I went through that again was when all of this stuff kicked off. Um, but then I just looked at it and, and um, you know, Mutant Glue, the, the cosplayer mm -hmm. that I sponsor and stuff, I had talked to her about it. 
Um, so it's, it's kind of good to have a, a, a circle, you know, a group of people mm-hmm. that you can go and talk to. So I talked to her about it and she was just like, why? You know, all this stuff you've done, you're just going to stop. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? She's absolutely right. Like I've really have come way too far. I've already bled, you know, sweat, cried, you know, literally stayed up 24, 48 hours. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Like you'll like, cause I still have a main job. Like I'll be here writing a script, turn around, ink, start inking comic book pages. And then change up. look at the clock and it's like, dang, but it's like, you know, when they don't, you know, yeah, I got to nurture. Exactly. Exactly. You know, here is a nurturing. Exactly. You know, and, and that's, that's what I went through. And I got, now I'm seeing everything grow and I'm seeing the fans come in and, um, what you both were saying earlier about that, 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 like, I just started my weekly show, my, um, my Silver Soul Live, which is I do that Fridays, um, Friday nights I go live. And it started off with, you know, maybe three, four, or five people. Now it's like 20, you know, up in the 20s. And I think honestly, being on this show and working with Brad with any comics dispatch was one of the things that kind of helped me to just go ahead and push it because I started learning more. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's it's a thing. It, it's it was never a hobby, honestly, because I I even changed my degree field so that I can supplement this company. You know, um, I, I started off in media arts animation, which I had my associates in, but I was like, you know, I, I'm going to change that, and I went and got my bachelor's in business development and my MBA in marketing because I wanted to have that knowledge to supplement this company, you know, cause maybe eventually I'll probably get to a point where I can hire marketers where I don't have to do it anymore. Cause I, that's the life. <laughs> I just want to concentrate on writing, but you're right. Um, what you were saying, TJ, like when you, when you, when you're looking at it as a business and not a hobby, that that's that other push, you know, forward. Cause then you're like, it's more of a, a, a slap in the face too. Like if you do just say, ah, I'm done, I quit, I'm, I'm finished. Cause it's like, like my friend told like my friend Mungu said like, what have you been doing? Like you've been doing this, you've done all of this and you're just going to quit, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing that I, that, that kind of pings for me. Like every time I feel like, Oh man, you know, people really aren't reading the books, you know, that, that message of ping. And I'm like, you know, eventually they will, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I have fans now I'm concentrating on them. Um, so yeah, I've been there too, right? It's like just yeah. seeing that this is going to happen and like making the choice in here that I know this is going to happen and just yeah. rocking with that, not even seeing an option B, you know, which is yeah, kind of exactly. Yeah, it's like hyper visualization, if you will. Mm-hmm. Really? Sebastian, yeah, a, a, I'm glad you're back. I said, is everybody comfortable staying on another hour and you were gone or not another <laughs> hour, but past one hour and you were just gone. So we we're like, well, if Sebastian said, fuck that and just left. <laughs> I got to eat <laughs> Two, the question was from Wilson Lee, CNS Comics. Um, have you ever felt like quitting and what did you do to, to push through? So let's get your take on that before we move on. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there are moments where you just think, you know, it's a, it's a very hard industry. Um, and I think, you know, you um, the hardest thing that everyone asks me, you know, what's the hardest thing about doing this is your time. Your time is spent, you know, every second that you're not, if you if you have a day job or school, is working on this. If it's your full-time career, it's a terrifying choice because those profit margins are not great. So you spend even more time somehow. And you're taking time away from your family and people that 
you know, that you love that also feeds your spirit and nurture you. And then more importantly, you're taking time away from them having time with you. And that's hard. That's where guilt steps in. And, um, you know, like is, is, and I'm following my dreams, but they might not be. Do you have, so then I think what happens for me is if I don't, well, I'm working on this shit, put every single ounce of my spirit into this, I'm dishonoring my family. I'm dishonoring them. And I'm dishonoring the the, the creation and the opportunity that maybe it's a, a, a gift that we've been given to to tell stories that can uplift or change or whatever whatever the whatever the shit is, you know. Um so so for me there are moments now and again when I'm like, I'm not spending enough time with my son. And my moral obligation surely should be to spend all the time with my son. And so these kind of, these are kind of like real, like it's, it's, you know, if I was to be very honest and vulnerable, these are the the hardest decisions. Um, But then am I being selfish to say, I want to leave a legacy for him is it for him or is it for me i can say it's for him but i'm also i am trying to fulfill this this uh, drive within but that there are definite times where i'm like i could be on a fucking peach farm picking peaches kicking it and eating pie and not stress the the mammoth undertaking of comic publishing and selling and being on social media you know because um the, those 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 kinds of realities are really really at home, uh, and the financial stresses, you know, uh, they're they're real. But, you know, it is the you grow, and you continue to grow. So you're you you have to accommodate your growth, or you're in trouble. Mm. And um, that that therefore has a further financial responsibility, and then and so on and so on. Um, and then it's a it's a lot of pressure. And the big more you grow, then the more people work for you, and then they have their lives. And so suddenly you're like, whoa, shit, I'm responsible for a lot of motherfuckers. You know, how can I, um, I, I have to honor that. So, um, so yeah, there, there are times where I'm like, those fucking peaches are really good. But um, then, to, but, but I think if you're being honest, if you're being honest with yourself, You've also got to be a fighter. And I don't mean you have to be into fisticuffs and that kind of shit. I mean, you have to be a fighter of spirit. Like you will get kicked the fuck down all day, every which way. You'll be fucking torn apart, you know, with, with you know, fucking cunt critics. You'll be torn apart with um, people being petty and uh, insecure mm-hmm. with their shit and then putting it on you. You'll be torn apart part with your own like judgment of your own material you'll be torn you'll be so you'll be like kicked down all the time as a comic creator and publisher i think you're kind of you know what you're made of because you're always got to get off the floor and swing and so if you're gonna go you, you know it is your it is a i believe it's your responsibility right if you've got this gift from god or whoever the fuck you believe in is your shit to basically put forth the story you have to tell before someone else tells it. Because how many times are we like, like, oh shit, I had that fucking idea, that motherfucker. But what were you doing with it? 
I wanted to say to Seb's point that it's like anything worth having is, you know, there's challenges involved. Like you're just, you're not going to be handed to you like on a silver platter. Like it's going to be all peaches and cream and hunky fucking dory. Like it's Mm -hmm. literally going to be a difficult, if you really, really want it, you're going to be tested to, to see how much you want it. Yep. That's awesome. It's a, it's like a saying that I have too. Like uh, I, I was telling myself whenever I first started, and it's funny because I fell, and, and sometimes I even got to remember that. But I used to tell myself if it, if it's if it's too easy, it's not worth it. Yeah, and, and that's what I used to tell myself all the time. You know, yeah. I found myself telling myself that again. Like every time I get hit that hit that brick roll, like I remember not brick roll, but freaking concrete wall, really. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I remember what my friend said, and then I'll say to myself, you know, if it's too easy, it's not worth it. Like like you said, like if it's it's not going to be handed to you, you got to go and take it. You know, or fight for it. Amen. You know, so. So uh, last question, and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. And if you're out there listening, again, after this is over, we're going to go and record a bonus segment for patrons only. So if you want that, you have to sign up as a patron. Yeah. Um, the question that we're going to yeah. be talking about when we go over there, if you want to hear TJ and Seb's answer, is one concrete step a creator can take today to build a better fan base. We're going to talk about that, but not on live. That's going to be in the Patreon-only um, bonus segment. Oh, um, man. I know, right? The knowledge so, with that. Yeah, right? So, patreon.com slash IndieComicsDispatch. Um, as little as $3. Um, I tell you what I'll do too, Brett. For yes, everyone sir. who jumps over to your Patreon or who are on this live, you can mm-hmm. get Niobe Shears Death Issue 1 PDF for free. And so, I'll uh, second that with Okamas Issue 0, the first one for free. Look at that. If you sign up, you're yes. going to get Niobe. She is, do you say she is life or she is death? We'll, we'll, do, the, we'll death. do the new one. We'll do the she is death. It's fucking she important. is death. Issue one and Okamis issue zero, two patrons, mm-hmm. PDF copies. You can only get it if you're a patron. So you got to head over to patreon.com slash indie comics dispatch. Little as three dollars. Two, you're gonna, you know, you're going to get two comic books. And actually, we just dropped a, 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 a P- PDF. Was it yesterday or today, Tier? Um, I think it was today. yesterday. Uh, CNS Comics. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, CNS, CNS Comics. comics uh, yes. Tales of the Star. Issue one, um, that you get that also. So you get three comics, three digital comics. Are you right are you out of a Yamos, Are you out of a Yamos Stigmata? No, no, we still got those to go out. You get a physical get copy too if your patrons eleven through twenty. Um, so um, we got we Man. got comics for y'all. That's um, that's that's some stuff, folks. Thank y'all you, gentlemen. Two. Thank you. Man. Um, so the the last question, and I like ending with this, um, if, especially following up the the what what do you do when you want to quit? Um, because I think every single one of you, even Tier said, you know, we all make mistakes. What was the biggest mistake you made early on? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I would the biggest say the biggest mistake that I made uh, early on was um, walking into an event or a convention and being super concerned about the numbers mm-hmm. um you know i i mean i had issues with printers in the beginning i mean i had issues with artists i mean i had one artist who was working on one of my initial books and went to a uh um a, a rave party and you know was crowd surfing and then broke his back and like some of the wildest shit you could think of you know like i've got this mate this book i'm trying to put out and all these weird little derailments started happening and that to me was minuscule because 
when I would walk into a convention and I was constantly thinking, hey, I spent all of this money to get out to San Diego Comic-Con, to have a table and, you know, hotel rates are doubled during that time. And, you know, you spend X amount of dollars to get there and you are constantly thinking, hey, I really have to make this money back. And, and when you put yourself in the space of, of just having to make money or commoditizing the experience, then you're, you're giving yourself a serious disservice and you are going to not a, not have a good time and B, the people who are going to be, you know, meeting you are going to sense it. They're going to feel like, hey, he doesn't want to connect with me or this person doesn't want to connect with me for an organic purpose. So understand that you, hey, hey, Greg, what's up, man, um, that you have to approach every experience from a place of purity, you know, and you have to really, really think about it as if like, look, investing is just that's just what it is. You have to put a lot of money up front and you really, really have to uh, put yourself in a space that you're going to be OK with that, that you understand that this is the way it is and it will pay dividends in due time. So patience is a big thing. So I'd say really just, you know, shifting your energy to, you know, being, you know, a place where you, you know, uh, are happy as a creator, as a person, as as uh, a business owner, and then also um, being patient because everybody wants the entire series right now. It's the Netflix generation. They want to read everything. Yeah. But like, it's not how it works, not how life works all the time. Like you really have to be patient. So I think patience is the biggest thing for me, at least. Yeah. Seb, what was your b biggest mistake early on? Um, you know, one I would say it ended up being a positive. Um, so I'll just say I shopped my projects around to company to publishers that want you know you know named publishers um, who wanted it, and um, but they wanted it because they thought it could be called cool during Black History Month, and it was just some surface shit, you know, mm. some cosmetic motherfuckers. Um, so I was like, oh you know, this was the inspiration. Okay, okay, I'll start my own company, I guess. Um, I think that it was a mistake in the sense, it would have been a mistake if I would have gone somewhere else because I wouldn't have been in control of my vision, um, even if it was painstaking, expensive and difficult and, you know, all the various um, trials and tribulations, which are many. Um, then I think the next biggest mistake was I tried to do too much too soon. And I, it, I was like, I've got a big universe. I'm going to come out with multiple books at the same time. Oh, boy. Um, I believe that was the biggest mistake I made personally. Because you can choose to react. You can't necessarily... Like I've chosen... I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but you can work with the wrong people that can like, oh, shit, that was a mistake. Um, but I think inherently me, my biggest mistake that I'm in control of was I was like, oh, yeah, I've got these ideas. Or, I have the idea, I got a decent idea, I got this idea, or that idea, and like, oh, shit, wait a minute, I can't afford to promote all this shit. I can barely, I can barely you know, eat my ramen, you know, like it's. Oh, if I had just, I feel like if I had just started with just one and made sure that was just the primo primo and then really then, then laterally focused is un, was understanding the, the, to navigate the complexion of financial obligations each step of the way. 
if I if I had a better sense of that understanding, you know. But um, but luckily, and through a lot of hard work, um, we managed to just about come through. And then, like, some books took years before they came out. I might have started with issue one, and like, oh shit. It might, it might take a few years before issue two comes out. I just better like not let anyone know issue one's even there. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, oh. four issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just came up with these four issues. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Dan, I, I do want to say thank you to Dan Schmidt, author of Worms Crawling, which is a fantastic book. If you have not read it, Worms Crawling by Dan Schmidt. Uh, he be, just became our newest patron. So, Dan, you'll be getting um, stuff if you're out there again watching. Um, there's quite a few of you watching right now. So if you, you can sign up for uh, patreon.com slash indie comics dispatch, uh, we'll pop the banner right up. And you get some cool digital comic books. You get Niobe She is Death issue one digitally. You get Okamis issue zero digitally. You get Tales of the Stars issue one already on there that you can access. Plus, you'll get the bonus question from our guest tonight. What is one concrete action creators can do right now to start building their fan base? And we're going to go record that right now. Everybody out there, thank you so much, Sebastian and TJ. Thank you guys for tonight. It's an awesome night. I love it when we go over an hour because it means the conversation is just too good to stop. And so, Great. gentlemen, Great. thank you for that. Um, Stranger Comics has a uh, con coming up this this Saturday. We're going to have a special guest um, there to help cover it and report on IndieComicsDispatch.com after the fact. Um, so um, be on the lookout for a full report from Indie Comics Dispatch on Stranger Con coming this Saturday. Um, and then... Um, uh tears uh we usually mention tears kickstarter again but it finished it's oh, done and so it's you, done we, we it's done wait for the next one now go <laughs> yeah it's finished I'll, I'll i'll see you all april in april with another <laughs> we, we, gentlemen we, comics have another one coming up in may as well so we're working ah, on that cool yeah man awesome fantastic we'll be on the lookout for all those kickstarters um speaking of cons uh next wednesday night i'm broadcast from the dispatch is con night we have a couple people who who host and put on cons we have a uh, virtuous con and onyx con organizers who are going to be on to discuss um, what it takes to put on a con um both virtual and in person um so tune in next wednesday to get the ins and outs of cons um gentlemen sebastian tj Thank you guys again for being on here tonight. We really, really appreciate it. Everybody out there? Thank you. Thank you for having us, guys. Thank you. We'll see y'all next week. Our pleasure. Later, everybody. Take it easy, folks. Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. But since you listened to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end, as this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, Go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor.